of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Today on the show, we have um, a wonderful uh, person who does many, many things here in town. Uh, she does so many things, I can't even remember all of them, so I'm going to need her help to remind me on all of them. Um, but to start, she is a burlesque performer. She is a makeup artist. She makes her own clothing. We have Katie Cadaver on the show. Thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Um, how's your day so far today? So far, so good. It's uh, early yet, but it's looking okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks again for uh, getting these iced coffees. You are welcome. Shout out Anodyne. Yes, best ones in the city, yes, in my opinion. Quite. Um, so refresh me like on all the things that you're currently affiliated with. Okay, so I am a body positive horror artist. So I do a lot of different art within the horror genre. I'm mostly known for my makeup work. I'm the makeup artist for the horror punk band Rat Bat Spider. They're from Milwaukee as well. And um, that's kind of how I got my start doing makeup. Um, coming up on about four years ago now. Um, and then I branched out and started doing my own makeup on myself. And then my boyfriend, who's the lead singer of Rat Bat Spider, Ryan Remains, I also do his makeup for horror conventions. And mm -hmm. we go and we cosplay while, you know, do like horror cosplay and different yeah, fun sure. things like that. Um, and I also do um, custom clothing pieces. So like the vest that I'm wearing, um, Ryan also has um, stage clothes that he wears, uh, jeans with skeleton legs painted on them and mm. shoes, uh, black canvas shoes with skeleton feet. I did those for him. Okay. I painted the back patch on my vest. Um, I've done all kinds of projects for, you know, custom pieces for people. I take custom orders, I guess you would say. Um, and you know, do things for my friends. Um, gosh, I do pretty much any creative thing that comes my way. I make costume pieces for my burlesque routines. Mm -hmm. I make props for my cosplays. Um, my most recent cosplay was um, a gender-bent version of King Diamond, like Merciful oh, sure. Fate okay. era King Diamond. Uh, and I made his... Um, cross microphone uh bone cross thing whatever um i made that from like scratch from nothing so that was really fun uh so i just do i dabble in a lot of different things um because i'm trying to create a look and it's really about whatever needs to happen in order to create that look or create that um, burlesque number or um you know create that illusion with the makeup i i work primarily in um, just like water-based flat makeup like I don't do a lot with prosthetics sure. here and there a little bit mm -hmm. um, but I really try to perfect just um, the you know flat paint to skin tip like sort of like what a, um, a tattoo artist would do sure. where you have to create depth um, simply by shading and, and how you paint it so uh, I've been working on that like I said about four years now wow so that was a lot and that's not even all I do. Yeah. I, I also um, produce and perform with Grindhouse Tees Burlesque Productions, and that is a production group that I put together myself um, with the help of some other uh, local performers and people. And basically what we do is we just bring all the strange and unusual, weird, edgy um, people 
performers um, to the stage and we combine our shows typically with live music or other things like we have an event coming up on June 1st where we have um, vendors that are going to be selling art and other things uh, a burlesque variety show so we'll have like some sideshow performance some drag some burlesque cool. and then we also have um, four musical acts that are going to be playing live so it's kind of a big event for us our first event this year we've kind of scaled down um, from doing smaller a bunch of smaller things into doing fewer bigger events so um, Grindhouse Tees is still kind of changing and morphing and um, just meeting the needs of Milwaukee in terms of like uh, what's uh, edgy and different here we have a handful of performers in the area that are doing some pretty wild things that don't always fit into um, you know a classical burlesque show or a burlesque show that has maybe like a theme that isn't edgy and weird yeah, so sure. um, we kind of bring that and we like to combine that with um, live music and kind of turn the fans of the music onto the burlesque and turn the fans of the burlesque onto the music and work hand in hand with um, you know other artists did you get all that? <laughs> it's a lot. I realize that. Um, and in addition, I also am a Tromet with Troma Entertainment, the creators of the Toxic Avenger. And I work conventions with Troma. And I'm also a dead girl with Duggar's Dark Coffin Classics, which is a Kenosha-based horror host TV show. Sure. Um, and I'm one of uh, Duggar's dead girls and I basically promote his show and promote his appearances at conventions and different things like that. Nice. Um, I am also part-time on a po podcast called Inside Movies Galore oh, wow. where we talk about movies that we watch. Um, usually old, older movies, sometimes newer. I think we're going to be talking about the new Suspiria remake coming up oh, here sure. in a couple of weeks. So it's a huge fan of the original. Yeah, same. Um, my first burlesque number was actually um, modeled after Suspiria, oh, and it's wow. entitled Suspiria. So, yes, I got a lot of um, inspiration from that film, and I like Italian horror in general, so yeah. uh, big fan. But yeah, I think that might be all I'm doing right now, <laughs> but stay tuned. Sure, yeah. I guess, like, week by week, like, do you have to, like, allocate all of your time to, like, every each single one of like those like how do you sort yes. of like how do you sort of like block out time to fit everything sort of in it's tough um i work for myself too i'm self-employed um so i have a day job doing cleaning and stuff where that allows me um low stress so that i can put you know my energy and things into my creative because that's really what brings me joy mm -hmm. not going and punching some clock somewhere and making right. a corporation money yeah. so um, i clean just to pay the bills and then um, that gives me time to spend on my creative stuff so i work i have technically i have three jobs um i do cleaning i also work for an elementary school and i also work doing commercial cleaning so residential commercial all that kind of stuff um, but it's broken up throughout the day so I'll maybe clean a few houses in the morning um, and then I'll have some open time in the afternoon and then I'll go work in the evening so yeah. I kind of try to fit things in where there's time like obviously right now I'm here with you and not at some nine-to-five job so um, well thank you for booking me yes in. <laughs> yes um, it can be tough I'm also a mom so uh, you know I have a 12 year old that I have to take care of of and um, do all that like mom and homemaker stuff so it's a delicate balance yeah. I figure it out somehow I think um, having ADHD and never slowing down all day helps me get everything done yeah, yeah I'm similar because 
OCD makes me sort of like a workaholic where like sure. I always have to be doing something like it's that fear of failure that I've self-imposed yeah. on myself where like in le- I have to be busy or at least doing something that um, that forwards me at sure. all times otherwise like I, I you know I'm a mess but, I get it. I get but yeah it. everyone you know everyone kind of has like their uh, their thing that drives them like mentally sure um, um, so um, so like, so here, so on the show, like, uh, so the primary sort of focus I'm interested in is love and fear and sure. just what drives us to, um, just how those, how those driving forces like inspire us to do what we do and, um, you know, how, where we take inspiration from in life and how we apply that to our creativity. So in the, the sort of like needless to say like the recurring theme for a lot of the stuff you do is like a lot of like um you you, you're clearly into like a lot of horror stuff you're into a lot of like costumes and stuff like that um i guess like what like started sort of piqued your interest in like sort of taking on these personas specifically in like sort of that horror realm well if i'm really digging deep and thinking about this um i've kind of always liked things that were a little bit on the edge outside of the norm Um, i grew up as like a tomboy i always was into whatever the boys were into um i can remember growing up uh well i used to skateboard as a young teenager um and then i got into like fixing cars and uh, was really into like muscle cars and stuff like that and kind of through that uh you know into heavy metal and like punk rock music and stuff as a young kid um and that i mean just heavy metal kind of brings out that edginess and i can remember um in high school i used to keep those composition books right i'd write a poem on one page and i'd draw like a demon skull on the other one and I would fill pages of these books with with that kind of stuff and I was always into art and there was just something about um, my experience that I I pulled from that dark side of things I just was really drawn to darkness really drawn to edgy things to death to you know I was like a goth kid or whatever you want to say like I got I got really drawn to that stuff and I don't know as an adult I've found a way to make it sort of my own thing. Um, I, a lot of people will say, I love, you know, like they talk about my style, the way that I dress. That's one of the ways that I express my creativity. And people will bring up all the time that I have this way of blending like real feminine, cute things with really scary things. And I love doing that. It's, it's like striking that balance where it just works really well aesthetically. And and I have fun with that. And I feel like it's a challenge for me. So I don't know. I think, um, it's really easy to just go all like goth and dark and whatever. Um, but I find it more of a challenge to like sprinkle in some things that are, um, maybe on the other side of the spectrum so that it kind of melds together mm. into this unique thing. Sort of like, it's like a defiance kind of thing where it's like, you know, it's, it's sort of seen as like cute and like, you know, but then you put something that's really like edgy or something that's just very um unorthodox that you like combine it with and that just gives it something that is like 
it just presents it in a new light. And exactly. I think that's kind of, I don't know, it's really fascinating. Yeah, that's what I do with my burlesque too. Yeah. Um, you know, people say, I'm not sure whether to be turned on or scared. And it's like, <laughs> yep, that's exactly where yeah. I want you to be. Yeah. That's what, that's the entire thing I'm going for is to confuse you because those are two opposite ends of a spectrum that I like to smash together. And, you know, cause it's different. It's weird. It's not something you see all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and as a, a fat person and a person, you know, that, my whole life, I grew up fat, so my whole life I was told, like, my body type was not okay, um, I, you know, should stay covered, so on and so forth, just all of these narrative messages that go on for fat people, I experienced it my whole life, and burlesque is kind of, I mean, it's a huge middle finger to society, for oh, one, yeah, sure. but it gives me an opportunity not only to express my unique take on what I think is sexy, um, and what I think is cool, but also doing it in a fat body, um, in a still in a society that does not deem me worthy of that space. Um, so it, it's, it's defiance, it's feminism, you know, yeah. it's all these like really big things that I get to do. Um, and it's just, it's very healing for me. Sure, you know, yeah. it's, it's really a great way for me to kind of get out of that social narrative that I've been stuck in my entire life. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I for one, I'm, I'm very into plus size models myself. I think that, we appreciate you. <laughs> oh, I think that you know some of the sexiest women I've ever seen are plus size models. Well, and I would have to agree with you there. And I think it was it was plus size models that actually inspired me to do any of this work. Um, I started with modeling and just doing casual like alternative stuff because of my look I had photographers interested in shooting me and uh, I didn't really have any experience in it before I spent a good chunk of my life um, you know right after high school like being very unsure of myself and lacking confidence and stuff so um, I consider myself a bit of a late bloomer in terms of um, my confidence my sexuality all of that stuff you know I came into it a little bit later um, but the modeling was really kind of that first step um, and and what changed for me what I when I think back on my body positive journey and when I started to really accept the body that I'm in um, I want to say it changed when I started seeing uh, plus size women in social media like looking gorgeous yeah. and rocking crop tops and things that I had been again told my whole life by society yeah. like that's not for you uh, right. and I saw women with bodies like mine doing this and looking gorgeous and confident and I thought if they can do it then I can do it too mm -hmm. and I want to do it you know I wanted to feel good in my body I think we all do oh, yeah. um, so that was kind of the stepping off point for me. Um, there's been a lot of work around that, but um, just changing my visual diet was huge for me. Um, we all see the models on the magazine covers and in the ads and on the commercials and you know it's typically uh, the whiter you are, the thinner you are, and you know the more you meet this um, traditional beauty standard, the more you're seen. And I had to get rid of that. I had to change what I was seeing on a regular basis so that I could start to find other things beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's just science. They've proven that um, we are attracted to what we see most. And, yeah. you know, this this idea has been fed to us like this is what you should like right, yeah. and many of us, um, if we just expose ourselves to something else, you know, we'll really tend to see that we like different things. Yeah. Like, it's always like that, um, I, like, it's interesting to point out because it's like that mental picture that you put in when, 
when you think feminism, like a lot of us as white people, we think that white feminism, you know, it's like that white social justice where like we're constantly drawn to like we imagine like white people being at the forefront of a social justice sure. movement or something like that. But in reality, it's like or, or you know, not even just white, like um, in many cases, like, yeah, like skinny women or right. or like, you know, just all the other things like that. But. But, like, really, you know, it, and to be, like, a true feminist, like, is, you know, you have to stand for all women. And you have to stand Absolutely. for women that are plus size. You have to stand for women of color. Yeah. And women. So, I mean, it's it's important that, uh, you know, we have people like you that um, sort of bring that that idea to the surface that, like, Absolutely. we need feminism to look like all kinds of women. Yep. And not just the women that are on the front covers of like absolutely you know the beauty magazines and everything like that um so and that and you know and also like body positivity we should also talk about how it should you know it goes for men too like men men have beauty standards um and uh, a lot of you know men are taught that they have to look a certain way in order to be attractive too and it looks like you know yeah it's not exclusive to women for sure I mean we're all we're all in the water here yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah and I definitely agree that representation is huge um, and of course I'm only able to represent myself as I am but I try to do that as best as possible and also uh, leave space for other you know intersexual yeah. feminists to step forward like the body positive movement is i mean if you look at that hashtag on social media it's been bogarted by thin white women you know it's it's yeah. like that's not who it's once they get like one pimple and they're like right i've been testing beauty standards right and yeah like, that's no. not really who it's for yeah um <laughs> you know and and i think it's just it's really important to to center the most marginalized people yeah. um in these movements and i I'm not, you know, the most marginalized person, um, but I do try to use my popularity and my voice to spread this message and, and to make space for those people, so. Well, seems like you're doing something right. I'm trying, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I, I didn't grow up and like, I, I never really liked horror movies that much sure. like, growing up or even just like the horror aesthetic. But then as I grew up, I found that I honestly, I like horror movies like more than pretty much any movie. Like at this point, like I watch a lot of horror movies and I like, I like a lot just how it kind of like, I mean, it does, they do challenge you very emotionally. Yes. And they also just kind of like, Sort of what you said, like you know, it's that edginess, the, the bringing out the those, boundaries. yeah, bringing out those feelings you're not used yep. to having from a medium that, like, you know, you were used to, like, growing up, like, exactly. It's just, it's you know, it, it, it just kind of like tests you in a lot of ways, and I, I think that that's kind of what I really like about horror movies is that, like, now when I watch them, it's like I'm kind of like confronting all these things that like I would have been so afraid of like when I was younger, like sure. like whether it be the suspense or the jump scares or the 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 just like the overall eerie like setting or the um, just the whole concept of something like these are things that you know society's been you know we've been just conditioned to fear them because it's not the norm you know sure. it's not what's it's not what we're like. It just—it's not what you know. We we fear things we don't know or don't understand, and Absolutely. it's like and horror movies kind of play along with that. And I think that when it's applied to something like 
you know, burlesque performance. It's like it's adding, it's putting another spin on something that was putting a spin on society in the first place. Sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah, uh, horror challenges me in a lot of different ways. Um, when I think about my childhood, I was definitely afraid of horror movies, but I also watched my fair share as a young kid. And then I went through a period where I wanted really nothing to do with horror. Like, I don't know, it was, it was my, like, mid-teens, I want to say, where I was just, I think, too sensitive for whatever mm -hmm. reason. Um, but I got over that, and, uh, you know, I've kind of maintained this connection to horror throughout. Um, and now what I like to do is go back and, and really dig deep and explore some movies that I've never even heard of oh, or yeah. seen. Um, I'm not as big into, like, the newer release horror movies yeah. unless they're independent films. Right. Then yeah. I get into them. Um, but I, I love going back into the, the old catalog. I think I'd say between 1975 and 1988 is probably oh yeah like that's the era One of, of the horror golden that, age, yep right. that is the golden age of horror and my favorite you know time period to find goodies like um, my favorite discovery of last year was Buyo Omega okay. a Joe D'Amato film from 1979 um, also released in the United States as Beyond the Darkness oh sure and um, great film that I had never even heard of uh, I heard on a podcast somebody was talking about it and I checked it out and it's like I love this movie and I love everything about it and uh, Goblin did the score Goblin also did the score for Suspiria and a uh -huh. bunch of other awesome movies um, so yeah it was like this new discovery from 1979 yeah, you know it's quickly made like my top five yeah so I love doing that I love finding old films that I can revisit or visit for the first time stuff that maybe I haven't seen um, since I was a kid yeah. like I recently watched Cujo and okay. I hadn't seen that movie in years and just looking at it with a critical eye so that I could discuss it on the podcast and mm. um, you know really like break it down and and look at it from a more experienced perspective because I've looked at so many other movies that way. Uh, it just it puts a whole new spin on it and makes me really appreciate filmmakers oh, too. Yeah. I never used to look at movies as a piece of art. It was just like yeah, I watch a movie and whatever yeah. and it has an effect on me or it doesn't and I move on with my life. But now I'm really critically looking at how yeah. these things are made and then I'm looking at you know the the filmmakers and their approach to things and their process and um, it's similar in a lot of ways to my process as um, a burlesque performer creating a burlesque performance choreographing putting it together because my performances lean a little bit more towards theatrical you know I'm telling a story and there's you know some clear beginning middle and ending points where it's less about dancing sexy and more about creating a scene mm -hmm. uh, with some sexy dancing in right it, of course you know? yeah <laughs> um, but yeah I've, I've just been able to draw so much inspiration from these filmmakers that I, I never thought I would translate that into burlesque but uh -huh. I've been able to do that so yeah. it's really fun yeah I think some of my favorites or at least ones that have heavily impacted me from that era for one cannibal holocaust um one of the most vile and viscerally yeah. disturbing movies I've ever seen. Also, I Spit on Your Grave. Another one Another that's pretty one harsh. That, yeah. Though, like, I, for like a while, I was just like, um, another one is Salo. Okay. 120 Days of Sodom. Like, those are just movies that I found specifically because I was looking for like the most disturbing sure. movies of all time. Yeah. And I wanted to like, really just like, jump the gun and challenge myself. And after yeah. watching like all three of those movies, like, it's like every single, each time it's like, 
you know, I would, I would be, the takeaway from it would be, wow, like that was fucked up. Yeah. Like, holy shit. <laughs> and then I would ask myself, like, what is it, what about it is like fucking me up so much? What is it, sure. what is this emotional response I'm drawing from this movie that's making me so like, you know, disturbed or shaken yeah. up? And it's because it touches on such taboo and just vile subjects like cannibalism sure. and, and rape mm -hmm. and, um, um, and, uh, like in Salo, it's just that whole like human enslavement and it's just a huge kind of like, right. it's like a social commentary on fascism yeah, that was going on sure. in Italy. And it's like, holy, like, it's like, this is how fucked up people have been like in history and like in different parts of the world. And mm -hmm. we're forced to look at this in a modern perspective and, and, and this is just, you know, these movies are purely for, like, you know, entertainment purposes at the end of the day, but it's like, you look at it and it's like, wow, like, this is the reality that took place in, like, different, sure. for, like, different people in, like, different times. You know, the, the real monsters are typically human, you know, and that's, yeah. that's a reoccurring theme in horror movies a lot of the time. I mean, don't uh, get me wrong, there's some great monsters, but right, yeah. a lot of the worst monsters are humans. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the things I like about zombie films um, is the, the, the good ones anyway, really play on how do humans react once they're in this apocalypse situation? Yeah. You know, what does it turn them into? Yeah, like, what are we right. capable of as human beings? And uh, that's really the interesting part of zombie films for me. Oh, yeah. yeah I like that a lot. Uh, Dawn of the Dead is probably... That one and Return of the Living Dead are like my favorite mm -hmm. zombie movies. They're pretty much neck and neck. Sure. Um, have you ever seen Brain Dead? Yes. Oh, that's a that one's one of the funniest uh, yes. zombie movies. But um, I do like horror comedy quite yeah, a bit. That's yeah. probably my favorite like subgenre of horror. Sure. My favorite um, all time favorite horror movie is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two. Okay. Um, and if you haven't seen Part Two, it's nothing like Part One. I only saw Part One. Yeah, Part One is uh, well, and same director Toby Hooper, but um, he went uh, the complete opposite direction with Part Two, and it's it's a, like a cult classic. It's a lot oh, sure. of fun. It's ridiculous. It's gory. It's just cool. Yeah. And not at all like the first movie but I think he knew he wasn't going to top that so he went decided to go in a different direction and mm -hmm. yeah I really dig that movie yeah absolutely I um yeah and similarly to horror and you know you could I kind of like find myself analyzing movies about like troubled youth in sure. the same way because it's like um because a lot of movies like about like kids or teenagers that are faced with like tragic events or otherwise just like disturbing subject matter and like get put in these situations like um stuff like that that inserts really like kind of like edgy elements in things that are otherwise like understood to be like everyday like non-threatening or non-offensive sure. like domestic family life for example like when, when, like, really twisted things get put in that, it's, like, it also forces you to think about shit. Like, what if, like, that was mm -hmm. happening to, like, me or, like, my friends or my family sure. or, like... It just forces you to empathize with You can the empathize situation. with the character because most of us were teenagers at one time, yeah. you know? So it's it's really easy to put ourselves in that position. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, totally. So how... So, like, um... So back to, like, your performing and yeah. makeup and stuff. Like, so... Um, so like, 
what are some like everyday things that just like um, you know remind you that remind me or excuse me remind you what you like why you do what you do like performing and stuff like that um everyday things I guess um you know I I look kind of strange to most people like not on you know the east side of river west i don't look that weird but yeah, right, you know, true. Yeah. when i step into like a panera someplace for lunch like yeah. people look at me and they stare at me um and sometimes it feels intrusive to just have a bunch of eyes on you and i understand that that's that kind of comes with the territory of expressing myself authentically the way i want to be walking around with a mohawk and all that kind of stuff like yeah. i realize people are gonna look um, but I guess that's one of the things that motivates me to like keep being that authentic version of myself. Um, I like to say, you know, people are going to look like I'm going to give them something to look at, you know, and, and that's kind of what I'm out here doing. I'm giving people something to look at and I'm not giving them what they're used to seeing. Um, and that motivates me because like I said, what changed things for me was seeing something different. You know, what changed the way that I saw myself was when I saw other women with bodies like mine looking amazing and that's kind of what I'm trying to go out here and do is like just be my authentic self in this body with this aesthetic and and open doors for people and you know say thank you and be mm -hmm. kind and like just be a good human like this out in the world um, which I think at least for a lot of older people, I think they look at me and assume like, and I realize 80s movies really painted the punk rockers as the shit people. <laughs> like, yeah. In every movie, punk rock kids are like jerks, but I think they expect that I'm going to be a certain way. And when I challenge that perception and I show them something else, it might change the way they look at people. Mm -hmm. And that's super motivational for me oh, yeah. that I might be able to change somebody's opinion about me. I've had people tell me all the time, like, um, you know, if my kid brought, you know, their friend home and they look like you, I'd be like scared. But now that I know you, I know that you're a really genuine, good person. Oh, yeah. And so it changes people's perception right. of, you know, what people like me are capable of, you know? Yeah. And we owe that to just how normative it's been to look a certain way or act a certain way, like, you know, in sure. society. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And funny you say like about like looking this way in River West and being and like it not being non threatening because I was talking to a friend recently and I was like, we were talking about um, like uh, just how people are just kind of unusual in this neighborhood. And they were sure. like, and she was like, yeah, River West looks like a bunch of Twin Peaks characters. Sure. <laughs> and it's, and could not have, like, put it better. Like, it's, and it's true, because it's like, especially, like, in, a, in the studio, you know, like, um, we have creatives of all kinds coming in through here. Sure. And it doesn't matter what you look like, it doesn't matter where you come from, like, you know, what, you know, race, creed, sexual orientation, gender, that, like, it doesn't matter. Like at the end of the day, you're here because like you're doing something unique and creative and something that you're doing what's not expected of you. Exactly. And that, and that in itself is like, that is the best way you can live for yourself. And, and it also gives courage to other people that want to express themselves Absolutely. in their own, in their own way too. And, and like, that's just why I love like being in this neighborhood and just, you know, making friends here because some of the most like open-minded and accepting people I've ever met have just been right here. Oh, for sure. Um, and uh, you know, you, and you'll, and you know, you just go into different parts of the city, you go to different scenes and different events and you just see like just how many people 
of all these different backgrounds like just call this place home and yeah. and I don't know. It's just really cool because it's like I didn't know anything about like burlesque or anything sure. about like horror punk, and but now here I am like learning all this stuff about it. And I think it's just super cool because it's like at the end of the day, like I look very very different from you, and I sure. may not have you know you might not see me at like a show like that like typically, but right. like you know here we are just drinking coffee, yeah, and shooting, the and tip. I'll pretty much drink a coffee with anybody, have, <laughs> yeah. a, have a beer if it's a free beer, have a beer with anybody, right? Know? Yes, because um, I, yeah. I don't like beer that much unless it's free. Um, but yeah, I I'm all about like bringing different people together. Yeah, uh, just like I like to bring different aesthetics together and different right. ideas together. Yeah. Like diversity is what makes the world go round. Mm -hmm. And I live in a city where they've been very um, successful at um, kind of sectioning us off. You know, yeah. Milwaukee's very um, segregated still oh, to yeah. this day. And I love places like River West that brings everybody together. Um, you know, that's kind of the spaces that I like to run in where, you know, we bring all different sorts of people together or creatives come together. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just jump right in the middle of a space like that and, totally. and suck up all the goodness because I love it. Hell yeah. So tell me about this festival thing you got going on this summer. Sure. A little bit, a little bit more about that. Um, the Grindhouse Tees Art and Oddities Fair. It's going on June 1st at Walker's Point Music Hall on 5th and National wow. in Walker's Point. Um, we've got artist vendors, uh, Petal Beetle coming up from Chicago. Uh, we've got Tony Smith and... Oh, I'm gonna forget everybody else. Spikes Creations. We got a bunch of people um, that are coming out to sell their art and their uh, crafty things. And then we have um, four live music acts. We have Knight of Cups from Grafton, a spooky duo, nice. um, a male and female duo, a couple, a couple of my very good friends. Um, and then we have Chad Novell, who is. Uh, very well established musician here in Milwaukee. He's been in several different bands and sure. he's doing some solo work right now Which is really awesome and cool. I'm very excited to give him a stage. He's a good friend of mine for many many years um, and then we have uh, Slaughter party from Kenosha. They are like a little bit of horror punk. They like to call themselves like kill pop Sure, they're, they're nice. a lot of fun. They nice. are tons of fun. I like that term. Yes, they're they're great uh, Like pop punk kind of with a spooky edge word um, and then taco Tuesday, which is a Milwaukee band here It's a couple of good friends of mine in taco Tuesday as well. So we've got four bands and then of course we have the Burlesque variety show by Grand House Tees and I've got a ton of Milwaukee favorites and then I also have performers from Chicago and Detroit Cool. coming so yeah it's gonna be super fun and I'm gonna be performing as well in the burlesque portion so yeah it's gonna be a really fun night and it's only eight bucks to get mm -hmm. in um, yeah and you get all that awesome stuff and we're gonna have all those cool vendors and artists and oh, yeah. I think I'm gonna have somebody there doing henna and um, yeah just come on out and check it out because there's gonna be a little it bit of something super for everybody. Funny. yeah Katie was <laughs> Right. Nothing but boobs, okay. <laughs> hey, um, Katie, what keeps you up at night? Not a whole lot. I'm a pretty good sleeper. <laughs> Damn. Man, that's something that a lot of people my age don't do well. Um, I, I, I go all day from about 6 a.m. till 10 p.m. and then I crash hard. <laughs> there you go. Well, good. I mean, that's honestly, that's probably a good thing. Um, what, keep, what puts you to sleep? Uh, horror movies. Pretty much. There you go. <laughs> they keep me up. They put me to sleep. They motivate me. They make me create things. They're yeah. all about my life, I guess. <laughs> You're going to have to, like, 
give me some good like cult films to get into because like I've been yeah. trying to find like um I one of my coworkers has been giving me like all these like weird like cult films that were like critical and commercial failures when they first came out oh, but nice. now they're like famous and I need to get more into that stuff because I just love stuff like that so yeah well we'll talk later yes we will all right thank you for watching Mr. Nice Guy um remember uh June 1st. June 1st, Walker's Point Music Hall. Walker's Point Music Hall, Oddities Festival. And uh, yeah, I'm going to put a link to uh, Katie's profile so you can uh, yeah, see Yeah, follow all... me on Facebook, Instagram, Patreon if you like the boobies. I'm on Patreon and uh, Twitter as hey, well. I like boobies. Well, there's lots of boobies on Patreon. And I like, I like booty too. <laughs> a lot of that too. Great. Oh, I need to get on Patreon. Perfect. <laughs> all right, we'll see you next time. Mr. Nice Guy.